Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Ain't nothing much, just a spy balloon from China cruising over Montana. That's all. Just a balloon utilized by the Chinese to take a look at things like mm, the countryside. No, wait, not the countryside. Malmstrom Air Force Base, where we have not one, not two, but three nuclear silos. That's where this balloon was spotted. A Chinese spy balloon, and I get it. It doesn't sound like any kind of real technological advance that we're using balloons, but here we are. And I don't know how often they get used. What I know is that China has this balloon, a possible second balloon, over Canada. And what is it that they're saying to the United States? Be cool, honey bunny. Be cool. That's actually their response. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Great to be with you. Let me bring in Stephen Yates. Uh, He is with the America First Policy Institute, and he heads up their look into China, senior fellow and chair of the China Policy Initiative. Before we really get into the idea of they use balloons, I need to get into the idea of what do you mean they use balloons? What is it, this thing that we have discovered over Montana, what has been done by the United States in terms of response to it? What would be those first couple of steps when something like this is found? And is this a standard practice or is this pretty rare? Well, Tony, I think that we don't have a complete picture on what exactly it is and uh, what our response has been to date. Our government hasn't done a fabulous job of being very transparent about things. Uh, I've studied Chinese most of my life, and I don't know how to say be cool, honey bunny in Chinese, but I trust that they did say something very close to that, and that's definitely what they mean. Uh, It's not usual for this to happen. If anyone wanted to test the proposition, how about we send about a thousand of these balloons and float them over China and see whether they say be cool, honey bunny. Uh, It's an odd thing. We already know that they are scoping out our agricultural land, maybe not entirely for agricultural purposes. We know that they uh, have many different avenues where they try to surveil us and our capabilities and also track their dissidents, whether it's from an illegal police station in Brooklyn or this kind of weird kind of surveillance where they say it's just science, it's private sector. Well, there isn't a private sector in China. So uh, I think the first response ought to have been to just take the thing down and we can do our own look at it just the way they combed over our EP3 plane after their fighter jet ran into it back in 2001. So you're advocating for the shooting down of this balloon. And I've seen other people, uh, presidential candidate Nikki Haley, which she's rumored to be a presidential candidate, the former ambassador to the UN, saying shooting it down and others. I argue, well, the Biden administration says that they're not shooting it down because it could do damage to people below. But other people said, it's Montana. You got a lot of open skies to where you could shoot the thing down. I make the argument that maybe you don't want to shoot it down. Maybe there are other ways to handle the thing. Not that I'd be opposed to shooting it down, but there could be other ways of keeping your powder dry and going about finding what this thing is all about. But you just brought up the idea of taking it down. Is that the answer? Is that the response? Or is there a better response that you might want to see from the Biden administration? Not that you will actually see it. 
Yeah, well, there are a lot of ways to take something down. We have some pretty advanced capabilities ourselves. We could practice those. We have great entrepreneurs, too. Uh, I mean, if we didn't know this was from China, it would still be odd to have a UFO like this floating around someplace. And if it's floating and it's not like an aircraft, there's got to be a way to bring it down, maybe even intact. And I would have rather had our government know that they had a way to bring something down safely. Maybe it had an accident. Maybe that balloon had a little bit of a puncture and we were just rescuing this craft and they could have done all of that without announcing it to anybody. And we'd have a better feel of what exactly this is and it would be an under our control. That's how I think a rational response would look. Uh, and it's too late to have that at this point. Talking to Stephen Yates of the America First Policy Institute, AmericaFirstPolicy.com, senior fellow and chair of the China Policy Initiative. You're making uh, the argument that this administration once again handled the thing incorrectly and there may have been better ways to handle this. China's response, and, and I read it to you uh, from um, one of their uh, spokespeople from the foreign ministry there, Mao Ning, uh, and here is the quote, China is a responsible country, and we act in accordance with the internet with international law. We have no intention to violate other countries' sovereignty and airspace. As I said, we are gathering and verifying the facts. We hope relevant parties would handle the matter in a cool-headed way. I mean, cool-headed way is really understanding American and, and English idioms uh, for, for sure, but that is translated, be cool, honey bunny. I thought this was an interesting Absolutely. response from China because they're saying we're responsible, you're not, even though they're the ones clearly engaging in the spying in this way on us. Well, that's absolutely right. They've become much more sophisticated about things. They use our lingo against us. They did that when their wolf warriors sat across from Secretary Blinken and National Security Advisor Sullivan in Alaska at their first meeting and barked back domestic race-laced talking points back at the United States representatives. So they've become more sophisticated in their political warfare. But let's be clear, I mean, really, no one accidentally floats into Montana. It's not like you're talking about coming up on the coast of Washington, Oregon, or Seattle, or British Columbia up in Canada, for that matter. Last I checked, Montana's pretty ways, pretty good ways inland. I used to live in the state of Idaho, and it was past there, too. So uh, there's clearly more going on than what that spokesperson was addressing, but they are trying to establish themselves as the dominant player in this and in the world. They're the ones demanding calm. That used to be the role of the United States. So uh, there's definitely some strategery going on, and it's not in America's favor. This brings us to Anthony Blinken, the U.S. Secretary of State, who is now postponing his trip to China, which was supposed to take place next week because of this. Is that the proper response? Is this about being able to go in with a stronger hand? Is this about understanding what it is the Chinese were doing with this? What is the reason for the postponement, except maybe as a propaganda show of, you can't do this to us? Yeah, well, it would be more compelling if they said out loud, uh, you're, you cannot violate American airspace. Uh, and that, that China under the Communist Party of China, uh, Par Communist Party of China is not a responsible actor. And so we cannot engage in normal discourse with unnormal governments. 
And so while you engage in this kind of behavior, uh, we're not going to be trying to reach the climate deal of the century with you. We're not going to be revisiting other kinds of issues that you care about in dealing with the United States. You must respect our sovereignty and our people. Now, the Chinese would play this back, and that's why I would always fall back on the principle of reciprocity. If we were floating things over China uh, and they were disclosed and shared all around to their entire public, you can be sure that they would be canceling meetings, they would be giving loud barking pronouncements, and they would be standing on the side of the people whose airspace and privacy were probably violated. And so this is just taking their own playbook and saying, we'll follow the golden rule. This is the way you treat us and this is the way we're going to treat you. One of the things that the China foreign ministry is saying is that the airship, meaning the balloon, comes from China and is of, of a civilian nature used for scientific research such as meteorology. You brought this up earlier, and I, I think it's important to go back on this. There is no such thing as a civilian when we're talking about China. No individual is just randomly putting together a balloon, lofting it into the air, and all of a sudden it gets to Montana. That's right. And no individual in China can engage in that kind of activity without the government being involved. You cannot set up a truly independent venture. They will force you to have a Communist Party cell in your organization. You don't have independence. They know what you're doing. They have developed a surveillance state that even George Orwell could not have imagined. These things can't you can't have it both ways where you have maximalist lockdowns and surveillance and control and then pretend, oh, no, this is just some innocent, independent civilian operation that made it all the way around the planet into the middle of a major country. Just not plausible. Talking to Stephen Yates of the American First Policy Institute. Find it at AmericaFirstPolicy.com, senior fellow and chair of the China Policy Initiative. I, I went through in my head a couple of ways this could be responded to, including the the taking down of the balloon, the shooting down of the balloon. And then there's the propaganda side and, and utilizing this to mock the, the ineffectiveness of Xi Jinping and the Communist Chinese Party as a way to destabilize him uh, in, in China and in the region, uh, uh, discussing this as a way of rallying further parties together to deal with China and expand upon uh, the military advancements that we just made regarding the Philippines and adding of more bases there to be able to have easier access to the Philippine Sea and uh, to the Pacific Rim to counter uh, China's growing threat. Um, there's the idea of how this affects trade and how this affects the debt that is owed uh, China. Um, there, there clearly should be a response, even if it is not so much in the public. But I would argue you need some level of public response because otherwise you look to the United States citizens like China could just do anything to you and you don't do anything. As you see it, as you study these things, what is the response, if you were going to elevate these responses, what would be response number one that you believe would have the most effect on destabilizing or upsetting or causing issue for Xi Jinping? Well, first and foremost, I would have said it appears that Xi Jinping is not in control of his own territory and people and material, because first and foremost, he claims to have accidentally or incidentally let a deadly virus out into the world because of a failure of responsibility and quality control inside China. We paid for it with millions of lives and trillions of dollars in loss. Now there's apparently an uncontrollable 
aerial uh, piece of equipment that is making its way out into the world. It seems like Xi Jinping is not very responsible and not very much in control. But I would have linked it back to COVID immediately because it is the material damage that China has done and we cannot let them off the hook for that. And if they want to play the game that something can just float out of China all the way to the other side of the world and oopsie, it's just an accident of an independent actor, then they own everything they unleashed out of COVID also. See, I, I knew it was in there. I knew that it that that it was part of the, the the propaganda move to engage destabilization and embarrassment of Xi Jinping, which he cannot handle. He he, as, on a personal level, never mind a professional level, he simply cannot handle it. And it seems, I, I guess, to the outsider looking in, like so childlike that that's the way you would go about it. But you go back to that Blinken conversation. I would love for you just really quickly, if you have the time to. To, to detail in what happened there, there are these bilateral talks, I believe it was in Alaska, and all of a sudden there there's this this uh, like vilification from the Chinese lecturing to Blinken and others about the evil history of the United States, and they just sat there and took it, and that didn't sit well at all. This propaganda part of it is a big deal between the two nations. Oh, it's a very real thing. They engage in very professional political warfare. And frankly, the Communist Party exists almost only for that. And uh, so this was the scene setter, a newly elected Biden administration in office, their representatives sitting down with the most powerful, dangerous force in the world outside. Uh, and they go to they go halfway. We meet you halfway, but up in Alaska. So they so technically they come to America and not, then we can recall we had the summer of love with very uh, scary destabilizing riots and protests across the United States, very inflamed race relations. The New York Times and their 1619 project putting out all kinds of propaganda about the evil foundations of America, almost making us irredeemable. Uh, and so when the Biden administration sits down and the Trump administration had identified the situation where uh, the Chinese were engaged in genocide against Muslim Uyghurs in their northwest and the Biden administration had just uh, reestablished that determination of genocide, they sit down and they go through the cookie cutter of past bilateral relations and we must address human rights. And so we go through our talking points and these are the rote motions that the people that were the Obama officials knew by memory, and they thought they were going to have the usual back and forth of a salty exchange or a cold exchange of talking points. But instead, the Chinese representatives sounded like one of these Antifa activists barking back at them about, you will not lecture us about human rights when America was founded upon this original sin of slavery and you still have this systemic racism problem and other things, you will not lecture us about these things. It was a bold move in some senses if it wasn't disgustingly distorted in terms of what the Communist Party had done in killing millions and millions of its own people since its founding. Stephen Yates is his name, senior fellow and chair of the China Policy Initiative with the America First Policy Institute, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Steve, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz.
So it seems that the conversation about transgender has hit a whole new level of, we're really going down this road? Oh, okay. You, you got it. Democrat bill seeks to make Minnesota trans refuge state. I swear to you, I have no idea what that means. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Uh, state Representative Lee, or is it Lay? L-E-I-G-H. Lee. Lee Fink, Democrat, sponsoring a bill to establish a trans refuge by protecting access to puberty blockers, hormone therapy, and sex change procedures for children. This is actually happening where a member of the Democratic Party is in favor, aggressively in favor of child abuse. If you allow children to mutilate themselves, if you allow children to medicate themselves, that's child abuse. Well, their parents are involved. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I stutter? It is child abuse. And it doesn't matter to me how many transgender people you put out there to testify in favor of these things. My name is Amber Mum. I use she, her pronouns. Uh, I'm a member of the St. Cloud Hive of the Parents and Allies of Trans Youth, the Transgender Movement for Liberation, and a member of the Tea Time Support Group run by the Aliveness Project. I am also a proud transgender woman, but more importantly, I am the mother of two wonderful transgender and gender expansive children. What are the odds? Hold on, hold on. We're talking about children here, not what adults do. Adults can make decisions. But the, first of all, the, the, the overall expansion of people who are transgender, that is not about reality uh, as described by the DSM-5 and what we know statistically. This is about social contagion. This is about getting attention in a large number of cases. Certainly not all. That, of course, is untrue. But this man who makes a claim of being a woman says what? But more importantly, I am the mother of two wonderful transgender and gender expansive children. First, you are not their mother, but neither here nor there. You mean you're transgender and your children are too gender expansive? Don't ask me to go along with this. Don't ask me to buy into this. I believe that statement alone should be enough to never allow any legislation like this and to throw a legislator who brings a bill like this out. And you say to me, Tony, you can't can't throw the legislator out for bringing this bill. You're right. That's what elections are for. You're absolutely right. That's what elections are for. The legislator is in favor of abusing children, and they bring someone to to the table to testify who, in the view of many, is abusing their children. We have to accept the fact that there is some wrong in this conversation. There is a purposefulness that people are taking to the want of abusing children. They're being proactive about it. They're being brazen about it. They're saying it right to your face, and they're saying, what are you going to do about it? What do you mean, what am I going to do about it? I'm going to state clearly, directly, and with focus that this isn't okay. This is absolutely, positively indecent and immoral. It is wrong. There is a right and wrong in the world, and you don't get to play some kind of moral gray when we're talking about children. You're abusing children. You want to codify abusing children. You want other people to abuse children, and that's just wrong.
It's just wrong. And I am apologizing to no one, no one, for noticing. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So one day, Newsmax is on DirecTV, and the next day, Newsmax is not on DirecTV. They're there, they're gone. That, that's how it went. That everything was fine, then nothing was fine. And what does DirecTV say? DirecTV says, well, well, as you know, uh, Newsmax, they just want too much money. Newsmax says, whoa, 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 we want a cut just like any other cable news network gets a cut of all those subscribers. Why shouldn't we be able to get the cut? And DirecTV said, you know what, this relationship isn't going to work. So the question is, is this about money? Or is this about politics? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. John Bachman joined us right now. You catch him noon to two. Well, you're usually listening to me, but sometimes your TV can be on. And John Bachman is there on Newsmax. John Bachman now uh, noon to two there on Newsmax TV. Uh, walk me through what the past week or so has been like. You knew that this was possible. You knew that it was uh, coming. And then DirecTV does the drop what did they really tell you guys, and what is it that you personally believe? Well, Tony, thanks. Good to have uh, to be on with you as always. Um, let's talk first about what I think is really going on here um, and what they told us. What the real kind of, I think, breaking point was is when AT&T said that they would never give us one of these carriage fees. Um, this is kind of standard practice in the television business. You develop a cable network. You get an audience, um, an audience the size of ours. and you know, when the next time you go back to negotiate these deals, you get a carriage fee. It's kind of standard practice. And we have negotiated carriage fee deals with other major carriers, um, including the National Cable Telecommunications Cooperative, which is the NCTC, which is a lot of the other smaller cable providers. They didn't have a problem with it. But when you get when it comes to AT&T, they seem to have a real issue with ever, ever giving Newsmax a fee when there are 22 liberal leaning networks on that platform right now that have lower ratings than Newsmax that are getting a fee. So yes, some aspects of this do involve a business decision, but that business decision is being made based on politics. And that's not just, I think, the view of Newsmax, but my personal view, Tony, because they are not canceling liberal channels. What they've done is they've canceled One America News, they've canceled Newsmax, and who knows what's coming next. We have to go back to February uh, 2021, when Nancy Pelosi and two of her congressional stooges, uh, Congresswoman Eshoo and Congressman McInerney, who both just so happened to represent Silicon Valley, sent letters and spoke from the floor, leaning on AT&T, basically essentially warning them that if they didn't cut Newsmax, OAN, and Fox News from their platforms, you know, maybe bad things are going to happen. And what we see downstream from that, you know, AT&T has all kind of lucrative track, uh, contracts with the government. So there's you know, some cohesion there, if not collusion between these two entities. So when we're talking about censorship and a violation of the First Amendment, that's specifically what we're talking about. Now, what comes next is, you know, if you go to Newsmax's homepage right now, there's a story about Kevin McCarthy talking about the potential for hearings on the censorship of Newsmax. And he believes he's going to cast some sunlight on what is actually going on here. So, Will we ever be back on AT&T? Unfortunately, at this point, we can't say yes to that because AT&T doesn't seem to want to work with us. Um, they're casting, of course, a lot of the blame over on our side, but they hold all the power really in, in this negotiation. If they wanted to provide a real alternative to a lot of the liberal news channels, they could have worked with us. 
like so many of the other platforms have, but they decided not to. And that really makes you wonder what's going on. So let's take also, a step back. One more Let, thing real quick. Go ahead. Let me add just one more thing real right. quick. According to Open Secrets, and we've been reporting on this, 70% of the political donations from AT&T go to Democrats, 30% go to Republicans. Tell me that doesn't smell a little fishy to you. Well, that seems to be standard practice in that media world. Talking to John Bachman, host of John Bachman now on Newsmax at noon to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday. Just a real quick on, on definitions. What does carriage fees mean to the, the, the average person? Yeah, so kind of like the high watermark for carriage fees, I think at once upon a time when cable uh, subscriptions were the best was, were, was ESPN. And I think they got something like between 8 and $12 a subscription. So every cable or satellite subscriber, that was the fee they were able to demand from an AT&T, a DirecTV, or a Comcast, or a Charter Communications, or one of those likes. And, you know, and if, the way the business works is normally a startup network will pay to get on these platforms. But after you develop the audience, then the next deal usually is negotiated and the payments come from the platform because they want access to your audience. Now, the business is changing, but again, um, you know, this, this might have to do with AT&T's inability to generate significant profits from DirecTV. I mean, they lost the NFL Direct ticket. They're losing subscribers left and right. And maybe they just didn't want to go back to their customers Recordings. and uh, try to get an additional amount of money. But you know, at the same time, I think they really alienated a lot of their customers. We were hearing from thousands of people who are canceling their subscriptions because of what AT&T has done. Just because, and we're talking about, you know, I think, um, you know, some of these, like I mentioned, get eight, ten, twelve dollar fees, maybe something like that. We're asking for like an eight cent fee. Overall, it would have meant less than a dollar, around a dollar price increase potentially for the customer for for Newsmax. But AT&T was not willing to even consider like the real economic implications of this um, deal. So again, it makes you wonder if there's not more play, most likely politics. So let's say no other reason. So let's say there are congressional hearings about this, as Speaker McCarthy has alluded to, and others have been discussing. We've heard from Senator Ted Cruz about this, a series of members of Congress. What does a hearing actually engage? And are we in the business uh, people will, will, you know, Newsmax is politically right. I'm politically right. Are we in the business of telling Congress, hey, you have to carry this network? Well, I think if you can prove that there's some sort of quid pro quo here, Tony, between these members of Congress telling AT&T that they need to cancel these platforms. Uh, and if they don't, there might be bad things that happen to them. And then you look at the contracts that AT&T has sent signed with the federal government, many of them very lucrative downstream from that. And then you start, I mean, you look at the direct nexus between these public-private partnerships. And I would agree to you, as a conservative, I'm, a, you know, I'm, I'm loath to talk about government regulation. But, you know, as a professional broadcaster, someone who's watched this industry die from the inside out, there are cases to be made for proper regulation and making sure that equal time is given to conservatives and liberals on these platforms. I mean, this is not... 1985 anymore. We're not talking about the federally regulated airwaves. Most people don't watch television over the air. They watch it over cable or satellite. Um, and now the internet, and we've got to think smartly about how we're going to regulate this stuff so that, you know, we don't have Hunter Biden's laptop being suppressed and that you can't silence people who want to raise legitimate concerns about election integrity. Or when, you know, you have doctors, you know, who are trained and board certified raising legitimate concerns about um, vaccines or the government implementing certain procedures that might be harmful to health, like having kids wear masks. If you can't do that stuff, if we can't find a way 
to regulate that and make sure that both sides of these arguments are, are, are put forth in the public square, then this whole American experiment is in real trouble. Talking to John Bachman, the host of John Bachman now on Newsmax, Monday through Friday from noon to two. You listen to me on radio and you watch him on TV and everybody's happy. We think that's a great, great combination. Uh, what hey, Tony, has you know, been- it's like, you know, you can watch this any time of the day. Um, if, you, if, you, if your preference, which I would assume most of the people listening to this interview, they have a great routine with Tony Katz. Hey, you can go to Newsmax.com and find our show and you can watch us any time of the day. Always be closing, people. John Bachman gets his coffee. Uh, before before I let you go, um, what when when as, as Newsmax? But I'm I'm going for the Cadillac. I'm going for the Cadillac too, and you can you can have a steak knife. Okay, all right. You know, I I, I never ever disagree with a good steak knife. Um, uh, talk to me uh, about the next steps here. Has this uh, experience changed the way Newsmax uh, approaches uh, things? Uh, is 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 there litigation now that's going to be uh, forthcoming? So on the on the on the air side, and then on the litigation side, what's what's progressing? Well, on the air side, if people have been watching, they know we're using our platform to make our case to the public and really make sure everyone understands that, number one, there are all alternatives to AT&T and DirecTV to get Newsmax. Just go to IWantNewsmax.com. People can do that, IWantNewsmax.com, and find out how they can get us if they're not getting us. If they're an AT&T customer that's been dropped, that is the best resource to go to. So we're talking about that on the air. Uh, Long term, does it affect the way we operate? Absolutely not. This does not imperil us. Um, right now, we are focused on what we've always been focused on doing, and that is providing people, all Americans, from coast to coast, and especially in the heartland and great cities like Indianapolis, news and information that improves their lives. And so that's, you know, has been our focus and will continue to be our focus, regardless of what AT&T and Democrats want to try to do to silence conservative voices. John Bachman, John Bachman now on Newsmax, noon to two, Monday through Friday. That's Eastern time. Uh, John, I appreciate you taking the time, and we're keeping our eye on, on this fight, man. We're, we're watching it happen. John Bachman, I appreciate it. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. cannot remember a news day I've had that's more all over the place. The balloons, the Chinese spy balloons, the economy, what's going on with, with Newsmax, and I appreciate John Bachman uh, being uh, with us. Uh, you, you've, it's, it's madness. That Victoria Sparks News, a congresswoman from the Indiana 5th, putting out a statement today that she's not running for anything in 2024. She would, There was a question whether she was going to challenge a congressman, Jim Banks, who's running for Senate in Indiana, because he's running, a, well, it was possible he was going to run against Mitch Daniels, the former governor of Indiana. And Mitch Daniels like, I'm not getting in this race. Now, she's not getting in this race. So Jim Banks just has it like wide open. He's going to be the guy. And the 5th District is one of those districts that, you know, if, if you win... Uh, it's it it's yours. I mean, this is a district that has stayed uh, with with Republicans over the years. The the best chance Democrats had was in in 2020, and couldn't get it done. They lost to Victoria Sparks. I, I can't imagine them getting it done in 2024. This is it. It there's a lot a lot going on. 
a tremendous amount going on. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today, uh, 833-468-8669, 833-GOT-TONY. But I figured we shouldn't all uh, be be craziness. Uh, there are other things going on, and, and I thought it was my responsibility to get to them, so. Your car's seatbelt, safety miracle or decapitation nightmare? What is the connection between rain and farming? The answer may surprise you. Heroin, sex, machine guns, flamethrowers, murder. There's no story here. We've just found that ratings go up when we say those words. It's time for the worst headline of the day. Eye drops linked to U.S. drug-resistant bacteria outbreak. I'm sorry. It just, it completely freaked me out. That is super. I'm a little creepy about my eyes. Uh, As a kid, I got pink eye easily. As an adult, I also get pink eye easily. Uh, And in, in the most horrific instance of this, I once got pink eye a day before having to board a flight. It was um it was from Los Angeles to Florida which 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 uh to Tampa Bay. It's oh, it's a long flight. And I'm wearing sunglasses. So help me God. And dabbing because you know what it, you know what pink eye does, you know dabbing. Oh, good lord! My the 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 horror of pink eye came as a kid when and and I didn't know it was pink eye, right? Your eyes were red and a little. They were not even necessarily scratchy, but they were just you know running, right? Like you were crying, tearing up constantly. What no one explained to me was that. I'm I'm gonna be gross. Can I be gross? Can I be gross? Can I get? I'm gonna be gross. Um, that the 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 tears can crust up. I woke up. I was a kid. Maybe I was nine. Maybe I was nine. Uh, I couldn't open my eyes. I could not physically open my eyes because. I had, you know, uh, the 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 stuff and the pink eye and the crusties. Oh, screaming! I was nine. It scared the living crap out of me. Scared me like nothing else. So yeah, I'm totally. I I wash my hands before I touch my eyes because the people are like, "Well, just stop touching your face." No, can't do it. Cannot do it. Need to touch my face. First of all, it's very pretty, and it feels like velvet. Well, yeah, a little bit. Uh, And and secondly, it's just a natural reaction. I'm not able to fight it, right? I'm not that strong, but I don't touch my eyes. I don't do that. I'll uh, I'll use the inside of my shirt if I have to get something out of my eye. I will wash my hands first. I'll antibacterial first. Whatever, Whatever it takes. I try to avoid it. The outbreak includes 55 people in 12 states. So U.S. health officials said a company is recalling its over-the-counter eye drops, which are linked to an outbreak. That's crazy. Ezra Care Artificial Tears. 
the infections that have been found are in the blood, urine, and lungs. The FDA said the company recalled unexpired lots of the artificial tears and another product, Delsum Pharma's artificial tears. The recall is based on manufacturing problems, including a lack of testing and proper controls on the packaging. The outbreak has led to one person dying and five other people having having permanent vision loss. Everybody with this company is going to jail, right? Just so we're clear. Everybody with this company is going to jail, correct? Correct, correct. Orange whip, orange whip, three orange whips. Everybody's going to jail, right? (sighs) California, Colorado, Connecticut, Florida, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Nevada, Texas, Utah, Washington, and Wisconsin. What's freaking people out is that the bacteria that's causing the infection resistant to standard antibiotics. COVID did not freak me out as much as this story. Oh, right hand to the up above. I'm telling you that as fact. Nowhere near. Story freaks me out. Just freaks me out. Like when you hear these things, that this bacteria is resistant to this, resistant to that. It is amazing that any of us are alive. It is. It's amazing that any of us actually survived it all. Still survive. Stunning. Yeah, so um, again, Ezra Care, E-Z-R-I-C-A-R-E. Um, be careful, be safe. If you know somebody who uses eye drops, like they have dry eyes regularly, uh, tell them to be safe. Please, please, this is a real dangerous thing. Really dangerous. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz Today. <laughs>